in this episode of Collective Reject. What I thought was really funny is it's supposed to be like, okay, it's the assassin school. And they're literally in the assassin school for like two pages. And then they go on this like road trip. Whether you a hero or a villain, expedition leads to crazy villains. Every page I turn, you know I got a villain. New stories everywhere, busting out the comic strip. Story so good, it got me on a power trip. Crazy battles got my mind in a total race. Page one, the original story takes place. So gear up for the new storyline. Writing so good, it sends chills down your spine. Collect or reject, 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 collect or reject. Greetings, true believers. Welcome to Collect or Reject, a show about comics, or more specifically, lesser known comics. My name is Mark Withers, and I'm honored and privileged to be your host today. Here's how it works. Each week, a guest and I will read five issues of a pre-selected title, and based on those five issues, we'll try to determine whether or not that comic should be added to your poll list. Today's comic, Deadly Class by Rick Remender and Wes Craig. Joining me today to talk about it is an old friend who just happens to be a comic book creator in his own right, as well as the lead singer of Fox and the Red Hairs. Ladies and gentlemen, J.L. Fox. Fox, thanks for being on the show, man. Thanks for having me. It's been uh, it's been quite a long time since you and me have been able to actually talk and everything. Totally, so. man. I mean, <laughs> it's been years. I mean, you and I toured together with Guar and with Dirge Within. You know, I haven't seen you in many years since then. So catch me up, man. Like, you know, you're working on a comic now. You did uh, Sisterhood, which we reviewed about a year ago. But aside from that, what all is going on with you? Catch me up. Let's see. Um, well, you know, I'm doing uh, the band thing right now, of course. We just uh, got done playing a festival out in uh, Washington called uh, Litha Cascadia. Really, really fun. Really crazy, like in the middle of the woods, kind of like pagan Vikings, you know, thing. And uh, yeah, just hopefully playing some festivals again soon uh, now that everything's opening up a little bit more and getting a little bit more lenient. And uh, currently I'm working on a comic book called uh, Alvia. I'm not entirely certain if I'm going to name it Alvia Noble War or just Alvia. A lot of people just think I should name it Alvia. It's a, how can I put this? Like a Don Bluth film comic. Like like Land Before Time, Secret of Nim, where it's like, oh, this looks like it might be for kids, but there's some really dark, traumatizing stuff in it, you know? (laughs) Basically an old 80s cartoon. It's about um, uh, Peepock. Uh, he's a Scottish soldier. He, uh, he finds a little French girl and he makes a promise he's going to take her back to her farm to get her through this war that's going on. But all the characters are drawn more cartoonish. Like Peepock is, he's a pumpkin headed like Jack Skellington kind of, you know, uh, return to Oz character. And the little girl is a kitten and the kitten slowly grows to be a cat as the uh, story progresses on and on. So that's a, that's what I'm working on right now. Yeah. Right on, man. Sounds really good. It's you know, sad. You, <laughs> it, is it sad? It, it actually, you it's know, sad. It's, it, you <laughs> it's mentioned Don Bluth. So like Don Bluth's animation, a lot of those films usually have like a sad component. So as soon as you mentioned that to me, I knew it was going to be one of those like heartstring type of, type of comics. But uh, that said, man, I mean, we're going to jump into talking about Deadly Class in a second. But before I wanted to ask you exactly like how you got into comics. What was the sort of stepping stone for you? Well, I mean, I read a lot of comics when I was young. My grandmother was really good at these things. Like, she taught me how to read. She just bought me comics. And I remember 
you know, of course, I'd read Spider-Man, X-Men, you know, Batman, Superman, Green Lantern. And I liked Captain America uh, later on because it was more like spy stories. And, it, you know, that really kind of got me into it. it it's funny. I, I was supposed to do a report at the end of fifth grade year on frogs and, you know, having undiagnosed ADD at the time, lost interest. And I decided I was going to do it about my comic books. This is the only A I've ever gotten in my life was in this class because she thought I was just going to talk about comics when really I was like, Captain America was used to get people to join the war, you know, fight Nazis. And the X-Men were actually about the civil rights movement. And my teacher was like, I am really surprised he knew all this. And so that was kind of like the beginning point maybe of like really liking comics. And I got out of them a little bit in high school and then got back again. I just fell back in love and was like, I want to write this. I don't want to just read. And I've always been a creator, music, you know, but comics just came naturally to me. I really enjoyed them and I wanted to get into it. And I, you know, I finally got my foot in the water in this, you know, small press company. The guy who ran it was an idiot. He spent $300,000 and we were never in diamond, never oh, wow. in anything. Like, how not to run a comic business 101. Like, yes. <laughs> I could write a book alone on that. And then finally, um, I met Richard through some mutual Facebook friends and he asked me to write some stuff and first I was writing this um, really weird horror comic uh, with the same artist Vince and it was called like Underskins, it was all about like this tattooed girl that could use her tattoos as powers and it never came to fruition. But then he wanted me to write the uh, Gwen story for his sisterhood comic. And I want to say too, um, after reading that comic, one thing that I really liked about it, one particular scene was where she shows the guy like the life that he could have had if he hadn't betrayed her. All the great things that passed. You see that feeling of regret that he has that like, oh, I made the wrong decision. I thought that was a really nice touch and I wanted to tell you that. Thank you, I appreciate that, Mark. That actually really upset me when I wrote it too, because I was like, <laughs> all right, break this up, present, what could have happened, what's gonna, oh man, what is wrong with me? <laughs> Why do I write this stuff? I need to see a therapist. Like, wait, I do see a, I need another therapist. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Well, with that said, let's jump right in to Deadly Class. Now, I've said in other episodes, I am terrible at describing, giving a synopsis of a comic, right? So I tend to either let the comic intro do it or Wikipedia. So in this case, we're going to choose Wikipedia. Deadly Class is set primarily in the 1980s and follows students enrolled in King's Dominion's Atelier of the Deadly Arts, a secret boarding school in San Francisco as they train to become the next generation of top assassins for crime families across the globe. Now, this is a very general sort of description of what actually exists within this comic. I would add to that the Central character Marcus Aguayo, you know, starts out as a, you know, as a homeless teen who gets sort of rescued by uh, one of the students, Saya, who then takes him to this school because she sees some kind of potential in him that he could be one of them. The overall premise of this is pretty original for a comic, but I wanted to get your take on it. What do you think about this one, Fox? Well, I mean, I like the premise. You know, I especially like he starts off homeless at first. It's not like, you know, he's, you know, one of the rich students that gets put in and everything. Your stereotypical kind of like, oh, he's from the black sheep. It's like, you know, he's, he's homeless and they notice his potential. 
uh, especially, you know, I'm not going to reveal anything of why of that potential. I, th- I think it's got a pretty good original storyline. I mean, it's a very thrill-kill kind of a comic, it seems like at times, kind of like Kill Your Boyfriend by Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, I, I really like the idea that there are cliques yeah. <laughs> in the assassin <laughs> groups. He, it's like the writer almost wanted to be like, I just want to write a high school story. You know what? But I'm going to make them assassins. And so you have like right. the preps, the jocks, you know, and stuff. But it's like, oh, it's the rednecks, the cartels, and then this. And so I, I like that idea. I think it's, it's very original. And I think it's a pretty cool premise and how they kind of handle it. Right on, right on. I like this book particularly because it screams punk rock to me. Like there's so much in here that reminds me of the 80s, which that was my coming of age, was like the mid 80s. And I rolled with like the punk and the alternative clicks at that time. And you see like nuances of that throughout this book, even in the artwork, like it's very, the jagged lines that like Wes Craig draws, you know, and the way that he constructs these characters, the way that they're dressed, the way that Rick Remender throws in just subtext within just like small conversations where they talk about the Smiths, you know, they may be on a mission and they'll, they'll press the music you know, that you're listening to. Right. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> hey, you know, why are you not listening to run DMC? This is cooler. Like now the Smiths are sad and they have the courage to be brave. And like, just like little things like that here and there, he really captured the spirit yeah, of when- that moment. And I really like that about this comic and it sort of sets it apart to me from your typical like Kate and Cal type of stuff. <laughs> it's like, you know, when the character is on acid, you know, spoiler, you know, <laughs> is on acid. I mean, he's watching Robotech, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, what? Like, oh, oh, you do stop, stop getting right. my nostalgia running, you know? Like there's a scene where Hunter S. Thompson walks past them in a hotel, you know, and you're like, there's these slight little pop culture references to that decade and that time that's really cool that like, and it's not overboard where it's like, it's just constant, constant. It's like, here they are. Here's a little snippet here. Here's a quick snippet here. You know, what I thought was really funny is it's supposed to be like, okay, it's the assassin school. And they're literally in the assassin school for like two pages. And then they go on this like road trip, you right. know, like, so the first five <laughs> comics aren't even in the assassin school. I was like, right. That's, that's kind of cool. I like you're pushing it instead of your, you know, now it's the training issue and now it's this and this. It's, now it's like, no, we're going to have fun with this. Now we're going to do all Absolutely. our little things. I agree with literally everything you said. There's like a very small component, you know, like the school itself is like a very small component. Like you have a scene with the teacher who specializes in poisoning, you know, like, and you have your self-defense teacher. They show like a day in the life but it's literally just one day in the school and there's like nothing else after that. Everything else exists either after hours or on this road trip. One thing that I do like about it is it's sort of like a subtle retelling of like an X-Men comic. If you break it down, like the headmaster, Mr. Lin is professor Xavier for all intents and purposes. You know, Saya could be Psylocke could be Jean Grey you know, Marcus could be Wolverine, you know what I mean? Like, and they each display like these sort of twisted versions of characters that we've seen before, you know, like, and and I kind of like that. They do it in a way that's like, it pays tribute to like what came before, but at the same time, it's not like a ripoff. Like it doesn't feel like a lift. Did you get the same vibe off of that? Yeah. Yeah. I totally got the, 
you know, the team up X-Men, Young Bloods, Teen Titans kind of like thing, right. you know, that was going on. But it's almost as if, because, you know, there's no superpowers, it seems. It's just like, no, they're assassins and they have their own little way of assassinating people. And so it's like, that's their superpowers, the way they, you know, kill people and stuff. That's a little calling cards instead of giving them superpowers. I think it's a really cool uh, general idea and I'd like to see where it goes. But I did get that feeling of like, this guy's obviously like, oh, it's Cyclops maybe, but like a twisted version of Cyclops, you know? And like what I like also, it's it's kind of got a wanted feel by Mark Millar, you know? Yeah. But it's not like stepping over that line that Mark Millar likes to step over at times where you're like, all right, Millar, pull back a little bit, buddy. You yeah. Know, like, you know, <laughs> Like, it, it seems a little bit more like, nah, this isn't going to go nasty and everything. It's, it's going to be straightforward and just kind of fun. But also, it's a, you know, a thrill kill. So you're going to get violence in it. But, you know, yeah, I agree with you. It, it really does have like an X-Men feel and, you know, like the, the classic teen kind of thing. So Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, we've been sort of like talking up the positives of this comic. Every story that we sort of bring up on this show has like its pros and its cons. Were there any cons for you? Like, were there any negatives uh, when you started reading these five issues? It's like, I guess it's the classic problem, pretty kids with problems kind of thing. It was my, started hinting in there, like every character, you know, will Every character is going to have a sad backstory in some kind of way, you know, because it's a dark story. But, you know, it's like, oh, my dad abused me. It's like, oh, you know, I this, oh, I saw my dad. I don't want to ruin anything. But, you know, like the pretty right. kids with problems kind of thing started coming up a little bit. And I was like, all right, let's pull back a little bit on that. Let's not make everybody's got this sad story. You know, it's like maybe one of these characters like, no, I just want to kill people because that's what right. I want to do. <laughs> I'm like, right. You know, it's kind of obvious. Like, they're put in there by like rich families or like cartel families and stuff. So it's like some of them must be like, no, I just want to do this. So I guess that that'd be my only con is if the continuance of the you know pretty kids with problems keeps happening. Like I said, the pop culture references are cool. I'm just hoping they keep it as a minimum. Uh, some of the art, once in a while, some of the panels are a little, you know, like yeah, that could be worked on a little better, but. Yeah, it's just mainly background stuff. I mean, everything else, I like the first mentioning of like, oh yeah, Reagan led all these people from mental institutions out and like, oh, Florida. So there we go. We're jumping right into that. Cool. Right. You know, like, you know, this is the 80s. Even the like the drug taking isn't just like overt, you know, it's made like kind of like a joke. And so they're like, yeah, yeah we're on acid. It's like, oh, you took way too much acid, man. <laughs> So it's funny in the making fun of it. I guess that's my cons right there is just kind of the pretty kids with problems. Like is about right it. Right on. Right on. Now, for me, I think that, you know, you had mentioned that the clicks were something that you looked at as sort of a pro, like things that you really enjoyed. For me, I enjoyed that aspect in the sense that clicks do exist within every high school. But I thought it was a little too dimensional to make the clicks racial so for example like all i the agree kids are i agree Dixie mafia all the asian kids are yakuza all the black kids are from street gangs they could have done something a little bit more original i don't really think that there was anything intentionally discriminatory about it it was just kind of like a low bar i thought they could yeah. have done that aspect a little bit better yeah I, I agree with you on that i was like okay like so only these particular you know racial people are allowed in these groups uh, that's sounding more like prison than you know a high school like exactly you know, like, <laughs> uh, 
really? Okay. Right. I mean, it's like, it's a cool concept. You know, like I said about the cliques, it's a cool concept, but you know, there's no white gangbangers in these guys or Mexican gangbangers here. Or, I mean, who knows? That's just the first five issues. So, I mean, it could be down yeah. the line. There's other characters we haven't seen, but there's a lot more, you know, cartels and like mafias out there than just like, you know, the triad, the Yakuza and, you know, the cartels and this and that. So Absolutely. I agree with you on that. Primal warrior Draco Azul is the story of a man who finds a giant robot from ancient Mayan times and uses it to fight giant monsters that are mysteriously appearing all over modern day Mexico. It's a little bit of Godzilla, Power Rangers, and Pacific Rim, all set against the Mexican backdrop for a unique cultural flair. Guys, I've been lucky enough to read the first few issues of this, and so far, I gotta say, I'm loving it. If you're a fan of mecha, kaiju, tokusatsu, or just really cool action comics in general, this is gonna be right up your alley. You can find Primal Warrior Draco Azul on Amazon Kindle and Comixology. Get yours today. So moving right along, I wanted to sort of take a second and talk about the dollar value of these books. You know, comics sometimes appreciate in value, sometimes the value goes down. Now, at the initial time of this publishing, the cost of each of these five issues was about $3.50. And today, the average cost of each individual issue is about $14.77, with some being a little bit more, some being a little bit less. Does that sway your opinion one way or the other in terms of your collect or reject verdict? Because that is really, if you break it down, it's like about a 400% increase in value. Does that have any impact on your verdict? If you're a big collector, $14 is not bad to get like a first issue, you know, of something. So, I mean, I want to go back and get the first five issues of Saga, you know, and, but I think those are like, 50, 60 bucks right now. Oh, yeah. But I mean, if you just want to read it, I mean, for the same price as one of those books, you can get the whole trade paperback. You know, and That's true. Go that way. Absolutely. You know? And even trade paper, people collect trade paperbacks nowadays. So, like, <laughs> you know, you can't, you, it's a win win situation. <laughs> right, right. Now, looking at it from the perspective of like trends, right? We know that there was a deadly class TV show that aired on sci-fi a few years ago. In fact, that's how I became aware of the title. Whether or not that had any impact on the price of the books today, it looks like there's sort of like an upward trajectory, although it's not an intense uh, you know, trajectory. It's not like the difference between, say, like Bitterroot number one when it first came out or an early Miles Morales comic book versus what that would be like today. Um, that yeah. said, I don't think that it really like affects my opinion today. Like I, I love the comic. I would probably um, collect it either way. It doesn't make me more or less apt to collect it. So what would you say, Fox? Collect or reject? I would collect. I mean, it's an interesting premise. It's a fun comic. You know, it's not too dark, and yet it's not too lighthearted. It's got a good medium. It's got a really good medium. And the story, there's something growing there, you know. And despite its flaws, I mean, yeah, if you're just in for a assassin, wanted, punisher kind of type comic, but with kids having a good time doing it, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, this, you know, this is up your alley, you know. Like I said earlier with Grant Morrison's Kill Your Boyfriend, if you've ever read that, you will love Deadly Class, you know. 
So right I'd on. say collect. I definitely say collect. Right. And I would echo that. I'm going to say collect. In fact, I do collect this comic. I fell in love with the TV show. It was one season, but it was one of the best shows on television that year in 2018. I immediately ran out, started collecting these issues, and it really spoke to me as a person who was that age during that era. You know, it reads to me like a John Hughes movie gone wrong. You know what I mean? Like, so. Um, <laughs> oh, really oh, yeah. Pre- <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, man. It, it's yeah. Anthony Michael Hall when he was really skinny, you know, not, not bulky Anthony Michael. He was an assassin and be like, wow, okay. That's, oh, okay. Exactly. Right on. I'm on board. I'm on board, John Hughes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the vibe I get from it. So, for that, I, I really have a lot of love for this one. So, it's going to be a collect for me. Once again, I'd like to thank my guest, J.L. Fox, for being here today. Before you go, please tell our audience where they can find you. You can find my band on Spotify, uh, any streaming service. You know, uh, we're on all of it. Fox and the Red Hairs, like rabbits, H-A-R-E-S, not uh, follicle. Uh, Find that. Um, Right now, I'm currently putting together some stuff to put Albia online. It's really just more about letting my friends see uh, where it's going. But soon I'll be, uh, I'll have some stuff up. Have some stuff up there soon. So we're uh, we're just uh, finishing up the ash can and the first issue lettering, and then um, yeah, gonna, gonna start putting that out, and uh, yeah, hopefully everybody will like it. You know? <laughs> Fantastic, man! Can't wait to check that out. And of course, I want to thank all of you for listening. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the episode, and uh, just let us know what we can do better. Like, what do you like about this show? What do you not like? Until next time, this is Mark Withers. Catch you on the next page. Collector Rejects is a production of Press Play Media in association with Von Keats Sounds. This episode was produced and edited by Mark Withers, music by Keith Sewell. Deadly Class was created by Rick Remender and Wes Craig for Image Comics. For more information on this and other episodes, visit us at collectorreject.com.